Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. My name is Mel. I'm Helen. And I'm Janet. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today's topic is going to be a little bit different. We're going to be trying something new. Today, we're going to be talking about Asian pop culture from what's, you know, what's on top of our heads. No, what's on top of our heads. I don't know that thing. What's on, what's top of mind for us? What's going on in the news? And just anything related to our community. Is that your stomach? Did I just growl? I heard it I earlier. <laughs> Dude, our lunch got canceled. So don't even get me started. It was really started. sad. That's, I'm like parched. You're parched. I'm hungers. Oh well, yeah, we haven't had water. I just had coffee so far. Mm. Well, my voice is gonna sound yeah. a little. <laughs> this is what happens behind the recording. Uh, lack of food. I can't talk. <laughs> Sorry, but let's just get started. So the first topic is gonna be about entertainment, which is actually my favorite. So, quick introduction. I used to love reading pop culture magazines as a kid. Like Seventeen, People, Us, literally always had it. So I'm really excited for this episode. I know mm. it's new. But back to entertainment, my first... But there was never Asian people in there. Sometimes. But rarely, rarely right? back yeah, then. Yeah. I know. It was like Lucy Liu, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Were you Cosmo girl, too? No. I think I was shy. Oh, it was you know? too Wait, shy. Oh, oh, I see. I, I, I think I little... didn't... I didn't want a full magazine talking about, like, turn-ons and stuff. I want to know sex. about, like... <laughs> yeah. I want to hear about, like, gossip, you know? Mm. Oh, Cosmo for sure had that, too. So okay, I was too. a Cosmo yeah. girl. Yes. <laughs> I was a 17 girl. Oh, you were? Yeah. yeah. I was okay. 17, I 17 too. 17 people at Us Weekly. Yeah. Mm. I guess you could consider this, it's like us curating an, a video version of an Asian version of 17 magazine or Cosmo. Today. Yes. So Sam, okay, okay. Let's see how this issue you goes. Format. <laughs> All, right. All right. What's your first article? Yeah. Actually, something came up uh, recently too. But the first thing... Celebrity gossip. Sorry, ladies, you guys are a huge fan of him, but Daniel Henney is officially off the market. I know you by guys. His dogs. I know he. Posts he's his by his dog. dog? No. Is that what you said? Like, his like Instagram is all his, his dogs dog. or his dogs. Girl, <laughs> he he's officially married. Oh, from where? They always hide these things. Like when was he seeing to someone? Who? Um, he's married to this Japanese. I'm gonna say Japanese American actress. I think her name is. Let me double check her name. I don't want to mess this up. Her name is Rue Kumagai. Oh. Yeah. She actually looks like someone we know. So I was like, oh, interesting. Oh. But I don't know. I just feel like celebrity, like, I feel like with a lot of celebrities, they keep their romance really hush-hush. Especially like the, like, A-listers sometimes. Because mm-hmm. they want to keep their private and personal life very separate. But then they'll, they'll announce once they like, actually get married. But Actually, that's more like in Korean celebrity culture or maybe in Chinese as well but like in American culture I feel like their oh, stuff true. is all over magazines right so it's interesting that yeah. there's that difference he's a fine man he's a beautiful <laughs> I just know whenever we talk to look at when we talk on previous episodes they're always like Daniel Henney dream man and I was like oh they we might- say Daniel Henney Daniel Henney and Janet says Daniel Henney <laughs> <laughs> don't 
Did you say that? Hene. I don't she know. Does, right? Maybe. <laughs> when did you first like hear about him? I don't remember. Maybe some K drama thing. Okay, mm. my first time, Big Hero Six. Um, Tadashi Hamada. <laughs> so you fell in love with his voice before you knew what he was. Really and that character. Like. And then I, I actually looked up like, oh, who is the person that plays this character? I was like, oh my gosh, he's just as hot. Helen, really? Tadashi was hot? Yeah. What? Wait, is he a little boy? No, he was a he was a brother like, who was the father like oh, figure. Oh, okay. Of, I think Hiro was his name, the boy. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Did no one else think this? I thought he was like, I don't know. I I think I knew how he looked before that movie. Mm. Oh really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause well, did, I don't think I did. Cause it, I know he did X Men, which I didn't. I don't think I watched. But was that after or before? I don't know. But oh, he did X Men. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I actually didn't know that either. Yeah, I like can't. I'm trying to remember. Was he in a lot of Korean, time? Korean stuff? He was in some Korean movies and dramas, like really, like maybe like early 2000s, late Aww. 90s, and I was like. Maybe I stumbled upon it. I was like, oh, this guy's really attractive. Oh. But that's pretty much it. And then I was like, whatever. <laughs> Second thing I just found out. Mm-hmm. This is maybe more related to my like K-pop fans and Blackpink fans. So Jisoo and Jisoo was dating this really top actor named An Bohyun. The poster you gave me for Christmas. Yes. They I just, gave you a poster for your bedroom. Yes. Yes. Which I still have on my door. Yes. They just Even broke up. Even with a boyfriend. Oh. They, they just broke, broke up. Oh. They just broke up. Oh, oh no. I know. So we got one couple getting married. The other separating. couple breaking up. Dang. So, was that like like big news? And I think it's pretty big news. These are culture, such. They're K-pop. like. Yes. They're like A-listers. Oh. So it's just like. Oh shit. I also so. didn't know she was dating. Oh yeah. I thought, she was, I thought they like basically couldn't date. Oh, they've been dating. Yeah, I know, I know Jenny's dating. been dating, too. Yeah. Oh. I also heard they broke up, too. Damn. I know. So I just know too much about these K-pop gossip news. <laughs> but anyways, okay. this is my, this is what I bring for entertainment. Okay. So the next one that I'm going to bring up that's part of our, my next column, I guess. Yeah. Is about the Bachelor franchise. <laughs> Not going to lie. I'm pretty sad to admit that I am part of Batch Nation. I started Batch Nation. Batch like Nation. Oh. Yes, those are the people who are fans of the Bachelor franchise. But I started watching back in like Sean and um, Catherine. Catherine season, mm-hmm. and then I fell off for a long time until Michelle Young's, which was during COVID. And since then, I have been like back on the Batch train. So for those of you who don't know, currently they have two shows that are running at the same time in parallel. Mm. Two shows coming out. On the same day. Wow. So, I didn't know that it was at the same time. Yeah, which That's is pretty... interesting that they don't really yeah, stack separated. it, right? Um, I, I, don't, I have a feeling I know why, but you know why? Okay. Right now, there are two shows, Bachelor in Paradise, which is basically a show where all of the past, con- well, some of the select past contestants come back and they end up on a beach together and then they end up dating each other. It's wild. And then <laughs> the other show, it's a, it's a new one, it's called The Golden Bachelor. And it's such a cute, cute show. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I have caught occasional episodes of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette when we go on retreat sometimes because I'll watch with you ladies. And I think it's fun to watch, but I don't really like follow it. Mm. Um, but The Golden Bachelor, I watched two episodes with my roommate the other day. It is so, it's so cute. sweet. Yes. So the concept of the show is that it is for the elder generation. Mm. Uh, the person, the first Golden Bachelor, he, his name is Gary, even though it's spelled Jerry. Right? I noticed that too. <laughs> I was like, oh. G-E-R-R-Y, mm-hmm. Gary. He's 72 years old and he's looking for love. He's widowed and... All of the contestants, their age ranges between 60 and 75, I believe mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they're all like former, like widowed or, you know, just, yeah, single and looking, looking for, for love. love. My whole thing, this is the Asian angle that I'm trying to add to this, is that there are no Asians. <laughs> yeah. There, was, there Wait, are no Asians. There was one um, Indian lady. 
You're right. Yeah, actually, Sri Lankan. She was Sri Lankan. Yeah. Her name's Marina, and I remember mm. she was missing from the show. I think after the second episode, and I looked it up, oh. I was like, "Where did she go?" And I think she had a family emergency. I oh. don't think they actually talked about why she, she just disappeared. Disappeared. Yeah. Right? Okay. I thought she didn't get a rose. I think she just disappeared. Okay. Or maybe mm. she didn't get a rose. Maybe. I don't. I I remember looking her up. I'm like, "Where'd she go?" Yeah. Um. But that was the only one. Oh. But I will also admit. <sighs> I'm also in the Bachelor Nation. Bachelor Nation. Nothing wrong um, with it. Yeah, that's good. I've been watching since since season one. Damn, were you five? I was twelve. <laughs> I was in fourth grade because I in my in my journal. Fourth grade. In fourth fourth grade, grade watching. The yes, Bachelor. I have journals talking about. Oh my god, I really hope she talks to Trista. Or just like all that. So yeah. Um, I, I also fell off, but then back on. So I'm on this. There are moments where I'll just like randomly text Helen and be like, hey, oh my God, do you see this part? Oh yeah. my God, this is so wild. But I agree with the Golden Bachelor. Like, I wish there was more like a, like Asian representation. Yeah. But it makes me wonder, is it because if you were to think about it, do you know anyone in your life with our families or family friends? Like, would they actually even like go on the show? Sure. That's what yeah. I was thinking right? too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think first off, there's already a lack of Asian representation on that show in general, mm. let alone like an older potentially less progressive generation it's like with the regular show we're still not seeing a lot of like asian cast members right or they're like yeah they're not there's not yeah. a lot one of the great things though is like this is the first if they do follow-ups mm -hmm. and more i think like the more that people are just aware that this show happens maybe anyone listening out there if you have a an auntie or an uncle yeah. or you know like get them to audition and be a part of that i don't know but i think for me this strikes another question because it's just like is it a cultural difference because i feel mm -hmm. like when i think about my older generation like or my great aunts or like people in that generation it's kind of like i don't know a lot of people that actually have like would would remarry with mm -hmm. that age mm -hmm. or is it also more just taboo to like I to, to flaunt yeah. your because they're if you were to think about like showing affection we always say like asian families don't like the stereotypes we don't show feelings whatever but even more so for that generation so maybe this is why this kind of show may not always apply yeah, our, I think it makes total sense. But I remember when I saw that Sri Lankan lady, she said, my daughter told me that when I come here, I should, you know, but the fact that she mentioned that, I was like, oh, that's nice. Like, because, and I understand there's like the traditional way to look at that, but I think the flip side should be if they're older and like they are widowed or something for whatever reason they're single, like it should be okay to embrace oh, sure. that they can go out there and do something like yeah. that. Yeah, I understand yeah. why I wouldn't, but I would encourage if you know someone to... Yeah. Um, I mean, I was just thinking this the other day. I think I'm going to sign up Janet for the regular bachelor. <gasps> I was like, for the senior? <laughs> the golden bachelor? Wait, actually, but true. Not, 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 say, not say that. I one, don't but... think I would make it. You know mm. why? I don't. I know. I feel like for those shows, you need to have like, they look for stand-up personality types. And I feel like I'm very like, I'm kind of just like, you know. I don't know. Whatever I don't that is, I want TV. that on camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's something Motion. you'll that's something you'll say in the interviews i just feel like so i've had a chance to talk to blah because i just feel that that's what you're gonna say yeah yeah <laughs> but um but yeah that was i just wanted to bring that up because i think it's a great show i think it combats mm. ageism it shows that yeah, people of all ages can look for love but the sad thing is that yeah there's not a lot of asians on the show which historically there haven't been but yeah. um yeah just bringing that up another item i guess i'm gonna add a column to this magazine that we're making. You writer alert. <laughs> yes. Um, so this is, I guess, a little bit less like mainstream within entertainment and media, but there is a new documentary out on HBO and it's called AKA Mr. Chow. Mm. Have you mm. ladies heard of Mr. Chow? 
not other than a former teacher. <laughs> is Mr. Chow like a restaurant? Yes. Yeah. So Mr. Oh. Chow, spelled C-H-O-W, is actually a restaurant. Um, I guess they're considered a chain, but they're really like high end. Mm-hmm. And they're based in, I think they have a location in Beverly Hills in New York and mm. London and then they said seven total I don't know where else around the world but it was actually it's the documentary is about the guy that started it his mm. name is Michael Chow and he came over to the US from China when he was like 13 and he's like known for being also this very like sociable person and who was all about like hosting and creating like almost like dining experiences that were theatrical but he talks about how he when he came to the US the options for like an immigrant who is Mm. like an Asian man were basically like you either open a restaurant or a laundromat Mm. and he tried to be an actor when that didn't work out he went went into the restaurant business Mm. Um, but because he was so focused on this like theatricalness he really made a name for himself and started creating this like entire brand and now it's like uh, kind of blown up and um, I think that is a really cool and he's just a very interesting personality and someone that I would have loved to see because I looked at like Andy Warhol and like Jeff Koons and like those people who are in more like the contemporary art scene and seeing him like he looks like like my grandpa yeah. <laughs> and it's so cute and he has these like really like funky like glasses that he wears um but is it is his theatricalness <laughs> is it reflected in his restaurants too? Supposedly. I've never been and mm-hmm. I haven't watched the full documentary yet. I just kind of like read, um, there was like a Vanity Fair article where they interviewed him mm-hmm. and I saw the trailer for it. Uh, but I imagine it, his restaurants are supposed to be very like, it's like a dining experience. Ooh, and this is yeah. a new series you mentioned? It's, um, it's actually a documentary. Oh, so documentary, it follows, okay. it, it kind of talks about the immigrant his immigrant experience, mm. specifically of someone that probably would be our grandfather's generation and how they came to America and then created, you know, what is like the dream. I guess it's like claiming their mm-hmm. version of the American dream. Mm. I actually remembered I, I dined there once. Ooh, okay. But years ago, I was with my like my Uncle Tom. Maybe I was really young. I was younger, so I couldn't appreciate it. But I remember thinking like, no offense. I didn't watch the documentary, but I was like yeah. thinking like, this is really overpriced and way too fancy. That's but, the style. And maybe over. for yeah, me yeah. too. It's like, I think when I, when I have... Chinese food. I want to go to a nice mom and I'm in a mom yeah, and pop yeah, type yeah, of yeah, restaurant. Totally type of gal. So I was kind of like, oh. And then I also when I went there, I remember I was like, oh, no one here is Asian. That was the yeah. thing I identify. So I mean, maybe I think I think it's great that people are coming in and elevating a cuisine and making a different experience. But I remember thinking like, oh, yeah, not what I'm used to with my family. You know, it's definitely Asian food for probably Americans, yeah. right? He His thing was to bridge the I'm East American. and the West. So <laughs> that's true for, I guess, like white American or like mm-hmm. non-Asian Americans. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is. I totally see both sides of those things, but I just had never heard of him. And I thought that was really cool that they created a documentary about him. Yeah. Hmm. All right. I'll watch that one. Hi, I'm next for my <laughs> column or my, um, my news alert. Um, if anyone here are fans of uh, Min Jin Lee and love Pachinko. Mm-hmm. To this day, Pachinko is one of my favorite books of the last, like probably the last like five years. Same. I think, um, yeah. And I read everything she's written. Uh, right now, she's writing her third novel called American Hagwon. And Hagwon mm. pretty much is the private tutoring centers that a lot of students go in Korea after their their regular schooling. But it's really competitive. They literally like are there till 11 p.m. then go home. Mm. But it's competitive because this is the thing they they put money into and hopes that their kids get into a really prestigious college. And in, and in Asia and in South Korea, it's very like, it's super cutthroat. So I'm really excited to see how she builds a narrative out of this, like the storyline. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I don't know any, know much details, but Min Jin Lee is just such a descriptive detailed writer that mm-hmm. just anyone out there, if you are 
into her books and love reading just be on the lookout for her new book is that is it already out or not yet not yet okay mm, i'm so cool. excited yeah did you read free food for millionaires i did and i personally it wasn't my favorite compared to pachinko pachinko just like so good so good we so talk good. about like families and generations how the story continues in history affecting each other it was great free food millionaires but it talks more in like the 90s um i'm wondering if this new book is set like in current time period I don't know, like, actually. Oh, okay. So it'd be really interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. Because it sounds like what you're describing I'm, I'm, sounds like a phenomenon that's like more recent versus like, I think Pachinko was amazing, but it was like kind of seeing her write about the past. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it'd be really cool to see her write about like present modern day stuff and like how she treats it and her storylines. Like I agree. A, I agree. So the next one that I have to share is going to be a super random one, but it was one that I thought of <laughs> kind of recently. Um, this might have been like a shower thought, but I was just thinking to myself, how incredible is it that within our lifetime, we've sort of seen the rise of Asians in media, mm. right? There, there was definitely a period of time where we would look up on a billboard and anytime we saw an Asian face, even if they were like in the corner, we'd be like, yeah, representation. Yeah. Or even if we saw someone on our TV screen and they were just like a side character on for one episode, we'd be like, yes, representation, as long as it wasn't portrayed negatively, right? And now I feel like we have kind of seen this rise of like, wow, we ha we're being represented. And sure, there are a lot more opportunities that we can fight for where we have more complex characters and just representation in more varied forms. But we're kind of there now, right? I think we've been to these events where some of the people who have like made it in the industry, there have been a number of times where people will always call back to mm. the Asians that started the community for us which are the YouTubers, the mm -hmm. original YouTubers, right? And the first person that I think that a lot of people think of is Ryan Higa. Mm -hmm. So the other day I was like thinking about all that. I was like, where is he? <laughs> that was my That's a good question. Yeah. I was like, where is he? What is he doing now? Like we've met him before. Mm -hmm. We've actually gone on a Vegas trip with him before, but we we haven't like really talked to him or kept in touch with him. Um, and so this is purely from not an insider's point of view, but just from my own research and going down rabbit holes of like, where is he? It's not that exciting, but just so that you don't have to look it up. <laughs> where is he? So, so his last YouTube video that he put out was three years ago. Mm -hmm. And before that, he was already starting to put out videos saying that he was getting getting uh, burnt out, that mm. he was creatively depleted, that he was annoyed of his own voice. I think it, his his fame got to a point where he was at his parents' house and someone had come by and spray painted teehee like on the side of his parents' home while they were inside of it. So <gasps> I, I think it all culminated to a point where it was just too much. Mm. And so he started a podcast, Off the Pill Podcast, that went on for 41 episodes. And then he started a an energy drink called Ninja Milk. Mm. And then ninja milk <laughs> and then M -E -L -K. and then after that which is what he's doing now he is on twitch mm. and he is streaming oh. so if you want to find him he is on twitch and he is streaming <laughs> that's a long yeah. roundabout way of saying where he went it's funny because um i also had this curiosity <laughs> did you <laughs> i loved ryan higa videos like yeah. i was definitely subscribed i watch all his videos they're hilarious so there are sometimes and few moments there are moments where i'm like i kind of want to like go back in time and then i watch some of his videos like yeah. how to sing like a celebrity all this stuff just i think it's hilarious yeah um and i was like oh he has a lot of twitch videos now on his channel and i was like oh interesting so yeah. i was like oh he's kind of taking a turn but I, with what you said, like, I would feel tired too. Yeah. I see why. Yeah. yeah. That's like over decades. Oh, of, yeah. I don't even know how long. But it made me, I, I asked myself, like, why am I curious about this myself? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's because I had a crush on him. 
<laughs> I think all of us, everyone like who's listening and you grew up in the YouTube era, you mm. definitely had your crushes in the like in the YouTube universe. Mm. And this is the first time saying a lot. Ryan Higo was one of them. I was like, wow, this guy, oh. is, this guy is like cute, you know? Okay, like, okay. He's not in my high school. Like, I could see you vibing with him. I could see that. I don't know if I did. <laughs> I think when I saw him, I was like, hi. And I was very shy. But anyway, it's like, it made me, but it made me curious. Like, do you, do any of you have like YouTube crushes? Like, hmm. well, she married hers. <laughs> what? Was he your crush? Oh, that's a good question. I actually, he, I mean, I actually didn't know about him until after I met him. Mm-hmm. So after I met him, I didn't know what Wong Fu Productions was, but he was invited to, anyway, long story short, I didn't, I started Googling him after yeah. I had met him. And I was just like, he's cute. Yeah. But there's no one before? I actually don't think so. Oh, damn. None of I these guys did it for, so. for Jan- Helen. Like, Ryan was just like a, he was more like goofy. Like, mm. I was like, oh, he'd be a really fun friend mm. kind of a thing. That's true. Yeah. I wasn't like, damn, I want his body. <laughs> I didn't want that. But I was like, oh, this yes, guy. you did. I didn't know. I was like, oh, he's nice. <laughs> Uh, How about for you, Janet? I think I was a little. I was. Oh, I was, you dated yours too, actually. But he, oh, wasn't he, wasn't then. he wasn't a YouTuber. He was a YouTuber then. Oh, you're right. You're he was right, in college, right, yeah. Right. And I think when that YouTube boom happened, I was working, so I actually didn't really like catch that wave of. I yeah, I wasn't really watching TV or media. I never like after I heard about it because I would come mm. back and grab lunch with college friends, and they're like, "Oh, we're doing this thing yeah. called YouTube." Um, but then when afterwards, when I, of course I followed their like their work, and then I remember thinking he was cute. Um, and then who was there was another like guy who was a little bit younger too, Kevin Kev Jumbo. Yeah, I thought they were. I thought they were all really like cute and good looking and fun. Um, yeah, shoot your shot. I, know. <laughs> I have. I, I have other ones. I'm, I don't want to say out loud because I'm Why, friends with daddy? all of them now. Oh, <laughs> who? I don't want to say Jason Chen. No, I'm gonna say oh, no. I feel like passion. No, passion. Oh. Did I just say it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so when I was 16, I had a crush on Phil. Oh. <laughs> I didn't expect. Oh, actually, I think I knew. This. This. I knew this. Yes. So I when I was 16, this. I saw Wang Fu at like a college event or a high school event, and I was like, "Do you have a girlfriend?" Oh yeah, you. And Phil was like, <laughs> "Next, Next question. question." And then Do you I shut down. And then it's funny. I was talking to Taylor about this, but then I think I kind of grew out of liking Phil in high mm. school, and then I had a crush on Wes for a little bit. Hello, like this is so embarrassing. Wait, I didn't know you had a crush on Wes. I didn't know either. I don't think he even knows. Um, but it's okay. This is like 10, 15 plus years ago, you guys. But I remember because I met Wong Fu, and they came to Sadaf, and there was a video of me like talking to Wes, and Taylor took a Snapchat of it, and it was like. <laughs> Ooh, Mel with West Chan, the best man, or something, something, <laughs> something really lame. And then after that, no. How did it feel working for them? It to- I, when by the time I worked for them, my crush was obsolete. There's none. There's, There's none. no. Aww. But then I also had another crush on this actor that they worked a lot with. I was very nervous when he came into the office, um, but he was engaged and he came in with his fiance, and I was like, Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Are you gonna it? share who? No. I'll, I'll I'll end it there. I had a lot of crushes growing up. Of course, I'll be affected by the YouTube era, yeah, and yeah. so like, you know, girl. Okay, so tell me later. Okay, I want to hear in the comments for anyone else who yeah, are your YouTube crushes, Ooh. and if they're still. I already you know one that people might say. Who? who? Joseph Vincent. Oh, oh yeah, he was him so yeah, hot. Yeah. He was very good looking.
I don't know about you, but it feels like a lot of my friends are now getting on that baby train. If you have a friend who is also expecting or have little ones still in diapers, I always recommend Pampers Swaddlers. With Pampers Swaddlers, you can also rest assured that this diaper will prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Swaddlers has dual leak guard barriers at the legs to help protect where leaks happen most. And they have a blowout barrier, which is an innovative back pocket built into the diaper to help prevent those messy leaks up the back. Did you know that on average, babies will use up to 8,000 plus diapers before becoming potty trained? That is a lot. That's why Pampers Diaper Stash is the hottest baby gift for 2024. So give a gift to a loved one that says, we see you and we've got you. Pampers Diaper Stash is an online diaper fund that all parents with little ones will love. You can organize friends and family to contribute to a group gift of an online stockpile that never has to run out. Pampers Diaper Stash is great because it takes the guesswork out of choosing what size and how many diapers to gift. It's so easy to do, and it's the gift that always fits. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Our next category is going to be news, business, and technology. And um, mine's a little random, but if anyone goes to Vegas, which the three of us have gone in the past pretty frequently, and a lot of our friends who live in California, um, they might have noticed a new nightclub that's been pretty popular, and it's called Zook Nightclub. For those of you that don't know, Zook actually comes from Singapore. Mm. Um, I so when when they came to Vegas, I was like really shocked because back in the day when I used to like tour manage, all of us would go to Singapore for events, and they always hit up Zook nightclub afterwards. Oh. Like that was the scene, or that's a place to go to in Singapore, and I believe in Malaysia they have it too. Mm. So when it opened in Vegas, I was like, wow, like I can't believe they were able to like come overseas and like become a large mm-hmm. like place for all of us like vegas is such a huge and like that is it's it's like the call center or like the epicenter of like sorry it's like the epicenter of like nightclubs and like nightlife yeah totally not call center but (laughs) it's just cool because i'm hearing from friends who are like oh my god you gotta check out the zoo it's such a cool nightclub it's the it club where is it which hotel it's in resort world Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've been there before and it was a little lackluster. So maybe oh, Zook is... Oh, you thought it was, it was cool? I thought it was cool. Oh, did you go during Winter Wonderland time or... No. Oh. Maybe that's why. Oh. Okay. Oh, well, I think that was a cool aspect of it. Oh, okay. But when I was in there, it seemed kind of small. I don't know. The the, the um food was good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, the food court's really cool. But okay, that's cool. I didn't know it was in there. Yeah. But I, I went there a couple times. I think it's actually quite beautiful. Yeah. My roommate went there. She was like, Zook is so great. I went there for a day club, too. That was kind of fun. So. Oh, that's oh. where you went for your day club, Zook. I did. Oh. But then a day, their day club's called IU. IU. How do you spell that? A-Y-U. A-Y-U. Mm. Oh. I don't know what it means, but in, t- in Chinese, it's, it's like, like a... A-U. Yeah. <laughs> and you, we see you here. <laughs> but anyway, just thought that was like a fun little tidbit. Okay. Yeah, that is okay. really cool. Cool. I like that. Thanks yeah. for sharing. Thanks. Our next item of news is around the public school system, which is... Ooh, is, that is yeah. a 180. <laughs> 180. Nightclubs From to night public clubs school. to public schools. Um, so recently in New York City, let me get make sure I get the facts straight. Governor Kathy Ho- Hochul signed legislation that amended the education law to include Lunar New Year as a public school holiday in the mm. state of New York, which means classes will not be in session that day. Um, For anyone? For anyone, yeah. Oh, that's it's a, cool. It's, it's fully, fully going to be a holiday. And this year, Lunar New Year actually falls 
falls on February 10th. So mm. for anyone who is in New York, they get to celebrate Lunar New Year. And it's interesting that this happened in New York uh, because New York is actually home to the second largest Asian population in the U.S., mm-hmm. uh, which for anyone who has not heard already through other facts and things happening around the world, the Asian population is the fastest growing racial and ethnic group nationwide. Mm. You know, they talk about the importance of recognizing New York's Asian American and Pacific Islander communities, which is really cool that the governor recognizes this. I mean, basically, the bill was introduced to the Senate by a senator. Uh, We are very appreciative to that senator and to uh, and to Governor Kathy Hochul for putting this in the forefront. I can only imagine if I was in elementary school and everyone got to celebrate or everyone recognized that Lunar New Year was a holiday mm. yeah. and that it could be celebrated. A, because I think it's like as a kid, because I was still celebrated at home, right? Mm. And so if I had to explain it to people like what it is, but now it's like a universal thing that your school would announce. No one would question what it is. It just kind of feels an extra level of like validation. Mm. Yeah, I, I would agree. So. I think many, many years I would go to school. I think especially elementary and middle school, I would always go to school and I would bring the red like lacy the mm. lucky candies and mm. I would pass it out to everyone I they, too. Me too. they'd just be like cool what is this yeah. like candy is it Halloween I'm like no it's not Halloween <laughs> it's Chinese slash Lunar New Year and then in high school I would actually not like people who I don't know how they confirm this but like people were able to take that day off oh, of school. Wow. You, but it, it, you wouldn't be dinged. Obviously, you had to, like, make up the school work. But I was mm-hmm. able to just not be in class for those days. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's good that now it's, like, a nationally – or not nationally, but a New York-recognized yeah, holiday. Yeah, statewide holiday. Yeah. Okay, well, Janet's article <laughs> kind of leads me to my next point, which is how many Asian people are there in the U.S.? <laughs> That is it. It's random. <laughs> but you know what? Okay, so I remember in 2010, I was in college, and the number 5.6% always stuck out in my mind because mm. 5.6% of the U.S. consists of Asian Americans. That was like mm. the percentage. And it wasn't until a decade later, the next census, that now we have updated information. Mm-hmm. Actually, did not look this up or did not have that number stick in my head for some reason. So I'm going to update you. What do you think it is? <laughs> It's a good question. I mean, oh, man, so I'm 10 years ago, it's 5.6%. <laughs> yes. Where is it in 2020? I'm going to guess like 7 to 8%. Mm. Oh, wow. I was like 25%, 26%. Damn, that's so high. How about we split the difference? Like 13 is. You think one to four people are Asian in this country? <laughs> don't match. Maybe in right California. Now. I don't know. My girl match is very off. <laughs> okay. So it's actually 6.2%. Oh, dang. We both overshot. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, not yeah. that much growth. Overall. Oh, really? I mean, it's still pretty, it's still pretty Actually, significant. 1% it's still growth. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's not like you're staying consistent. There is, it's, it's like you said, it's one of the fastest growing um, ethnic slash racial groups in the U.S., mm-hmm. right? So um, it, there's a lot of people that Girl. are also growing. <laughs> so <laughs> adding percentages is good. Yes. Um, but yeah, so it went from 5.6% to 6.2%. 17 million to 20.6 million. What do you think is the... Wow, 17 to 26. Mm-hmm. That's pretty big. 17 million to 20.6 million oh, in 2020. What do you think is the largest Asian ethnic group in the U.S.? Top three. I feel like I'm doing like a math problem. I mean, <laughs> this is how I make it interesting by bringing facts. Yeah. What was the question? The, the three largest Asian ethnic groups in the U.S. I'm going to guess Chinese. Mm. And then secondly, Japanese. And then thirdly, thirdly, maybe Vietnamese? I don't know. Guess. Um, Chinese. The second one, I think it's going to be Indian. 
Oh. Actually, actually, yeah, I would can't revise. Take it back. Because I saw another article. You can't take it back. <laughs> and the third, I don't, Koreans. Oh, okay. The closest, Mel. Yeah. The largest Asian group is Chinese at 4.1 million, Indian at 4 million. So super closely, mm-hmm. um, super close. And then Filipinos. I was, oh, I was going to guess. And then I didn't just because I thought that they were actually like, um, like less, less. Yeah. And then Vietnamese and then Korean. Um, so, yeah. Right? Isn't that interesting? It is, it is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I thought Filipino um Americans were like the like a smaller population group. They're actually mm. the first immigrants to arrive to the US. Oh damn. Okay. Yeah. Getting educated. Because <laughs> I learned from the PBS Asian American yeah, special. Yeah, yeah. PBS. Oh yeah, true, true, yeah. true. Um anyway, so these are just some oh. numbers to keep in mind. I think it's just, you know, it's always good to know have these, you yeah. know, numbers in mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it also it kind of drives like the in 2060 Asian Americans are expected to be 10% of the population, which is actually mm, a pretty a lo- one in 10. That's a pretty large mm, amount. Yeah. And I think that that does dictate market size and marketing budget and policies, politics and all of that. So just, you know, good empirical data to have. I agree. Empirical. Yeah. All right, so next category is food, fashion, and health. We're big foodies here. I just found out the first Shabu Shabu restaurant in America is closing in Little Tokyo after, <gasps> I believe, 32 years. Mm. Dang, 32 years. Yeah. Little Tokyo, California? Uh, LA. Oh, no. Yeah. Which one? Uh, it's called Shabu Shabu House. Uh oh. Mm. Yeah. I actually oh. never, you used to live in Little Tokyo. Did you ever yeah. go to that place? Uh, I don't know where it is. No. Or what it, yeah. Because if I saw Shabu Shabu, I'd just be like, oh, it's a Shabu, Shabu, Shabu House. <laughs> yeah. But um, what I find fascinating was I didn't know the first Shabu House was in LA. In LA. Yeah, oh. that is really cool. Oh, that's really cool. But it's also sad that they're closing. I feel yeah. like I'm seeing a lot of like different hot pot Shabu places just pop up everywhere. Um, but it just made me think about like, do you have a favorite hot pot place? <laughs> Sorry. Aww. Random. Um, I will be a little basic here and a little bougie, but Heidi Lau is, it's mm. always a place that I recommend mm. people to go to. I don't, I don't know if they're actually nationwide, but the only time I've tried it is in LA. Mm. So I would say Heidi Lau is always a good experience. I would say my mom and dad's home. That's good. <laughs> oh, we nice. eat it at home a lot. And I actually, yeah, I kind of just like the, the, the hot pot that we have at home. Pretty simple. Yeah. I'm What's a mix. Yours? I like boiling point sometimes. Oh, oh boiling point's pretty good. But I think in general, it all boils down. Ha! Ta. Boils <laughs> to the broth. Mm, and I like we like at home. Um, hot pot's really great because you just choose your broth, your yeah. broth, broth <laughs> uh, from the night. Uh, not not market from the grocery store. But for me, it's also the sauce. I had to have the sauce hot jang, mm, like the yes. like uh, yes. exo sauce, the garlic, whatever. Can. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's always like oily afterwards. Oh, so good. I know. It's so good. Oh, and that makes me want hot pot. Okay, so the next topic that I wanted to bring up is something that I've started to notice in terms of like Asian media entertainment or even beauty sort of infiltrating into American culture Mm. and a lot of TikTok culture kind of picking it up and perhaps calling it almost like discovering it, like Christopher Columbusing it, like, oh, Oh, look what I discovered. So this is two of the things that I've noticed uh, more recently, like Gua Sha has always been a thing it's been around for centuries Mm -hmm. but the usage of it within tcm traditional chinese medicine is more for healing of the body versus depuffing your face oh that's interesting i didn't know that so like 
people like Hailey Bieber, Kim Kardashian, even like Miranda Kerr has a line called Cora, and she sells a gua sha for $58, which is just insanity because mm. these things go for like 10, 15 bucks. I use her eye cream. I did not know she had a gua sha. She had, yeah, she sells oh. a gua sha for like 58 bucks. Um, but this is where I think the narrative starts to mm. kind of shift hands between who the originators of the product is versus what TikTok culture is mm. saying, right? Another one is hair slugging, and this is one that I did not know of before, but I guess this was also trending on TikTok. And this is actually a 5,000-year-old ritual in South Asia that involves massaging the scalp of your hair with oil and also the ends of your hair and kind of just like wrapping it in a sock or a wrap overnight so that the oil kind of like it seeps into your hair, hair better and then you wash mm, it in the morning. Mm. So that is that is the process i'm sure there are different oils for different types of hairs but again i think tiktok culture is saying like oh look at this thing like i've discovered it but there are also companies out there like arvani a r v a n i i believe mm. sorry if I, I butchered that but um people who are sort of seeing these trends pick up and taking ownership of that or taking control of the narrative and i think that's super important to continue um encouraging to do so like by small, by minority, and it's for for reasons like this, right? Or else the the actual narrative of where these products or these rituals are coming from is going to get completely wiped out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and sometimes I even think about like when I shared my postpartum confinement uh, period and what I did there. There's so many people who messaged me like, "Oh, what you do? What you eat?" And I'm like, "Okay, this is for sure going to become a thing that's yeah. going to pick up in mainstream media one day, and I better not see some white woman." <laughs> like, <laughs> promoting it anyway that's all i was yeah there are small i i know of a small like um like asian women who have started like um small companies and services that do like food deliveries around that so that is really cool that but yeah like you're saying having um being able to support the individuals who have like actually know firsthand and understand the story behind it Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm But yeah, that's my little bit of news that I wanted mm, to share. That's really interesting. That is really cool. Yeah, I've known. I was like, wow, so I've like, I've been knowing about that stuff for like for a really long time. But I just, I guess it wasn't like main mainstream. So. Mm. Yeah, and I think a lot of TCM doctors are saying that it, because of the proliferation of social media, is taking away from the credibility of what yeah. gua sha actually does for the body. Right. It's not just to depuff your face. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we know. Next time you pick up your gua sha thing yeah (laughs) all right the next item of news in relation to health and food is about tea green tea and matcha Um, (laughs) i've been on a major matcha kick the last like i would say like year i've almost completely switched over now i only have coffee like occasionally so earlier in october a study in the journal scientific reports about how tea affects covid went moderately viral on social media so that's kind of how this became uh more well known where they found that drinking matcha or green tea could effectively inactivate covid a particular plant compound found in tea may have the ability to neutralize the sars CoV-2 virus. Um, So basically, there's like certain chemicals in the drink that bind to the spike protein sticking out from the surface of the virus and stops it from infecting your cells. Mm. Um, That's pretty cool. That's (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I think it is worth mentioning, and the articles talk about this, that um, these experiments occurred in Petri dishes, so they're not in like actual human bodies, but it's just more like, oh, it's really interesting that we found that this particular compound within tea is able to like slow down or inactivate Mm. the virus. Mm. Um, But uh, they also said it's worth mentioning that countries with the highest rates of green tea consumption do not seem to be especially safe from COVID either. 
right? So you would think like, yeah. oh, if green tea like yeah, helps yeah. with COVID, then why are not, you know, why aren't like countries that drink a lot of tea more immune to COVID and that it's not been. So a scientific fact that's interesting, but let's not all go around and just start drinking matcha lattes and think that we're immune to COVID. Sounds like a moot point. <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah, I guess. Well, why do I find that interesting? Um, I don't know. Just like if you're drinking, if you're into like matchas, know that it's like it is like a powerful compound. Oh, and yeah. it's actually been, I think there's so many health benefits. There are to green to teas green in tea. general. Yes. Yeah. So I guess it's like the, the what is it? There's like a particular to their list of, of potential health benefits. Health benefits. Yeah. yeah. I wish you could say that about alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I realize a lot of friends are big fans of fly by Jing sauce. Yeah. We see it, we see it all the time at events, um, in our kitchen. So good. It is one of the best sauces I've ever tasted. But if you are a fan of Fly by Jing, they have a new sauce launching called oh. Chengdu Crisp. Oh. Um, so I'm very excited. Um, if you love that flavor, just be on the lookout. Um, I know I put the sauce on everything. Actually, it was at Helen's. The, the can's almost out. You guys are running out, huh? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So yeah, if you guys are into um, hot sauce, make sure you um, check your local grocery stores or their website for the new sauce that's going to drop soon. Chengdu Crisp. Yum. Yeah. If you're like me and are really into pop culture and enjoy like celebrity gossip or into like scientific facts that they're studying matcha and there's different, there might be health additives to drinking matcha or you're into um, empirical numbers about the Asian American <laughs> community. Did I use that term right? Yeah. Cool. Well, we hope you enjoy this episode. We hope this is at the start of, you know, maybe a different series we start doing um, for this podcast. And yeah, let us know if you enjoy this type of episode. Yeah. Not gonna lie. It was kind of hard. To, yeah, find to find things. Yeah. And I feel like there are some sources that, you know, focus specifically on Asian pop culture, but not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot. And that's why I found this to be interesting that we kind of come to the table or the podcast room with like information we found interesting, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, if you want to hear more about this, let us know in the comments. Yes. Share with us your interesting Asian fact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it can't be your number. Um, if you're Asian. <laughs> it can't uh, be your what number? Oh, just a joke. Um, so with that, we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. 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 <laughs>